0: Love Talk Radio
1: Welcome to Dodie's Late Night
2: Sometimes you feel insecure Trust me babe, I understand Even with no manicure Just know that i still hold your hand Look so good when you walk by. Sexy comes in every side. Keep wearing that. You ain't playing. You got yourself a new man. That's Kanye's workout plan. I call that baby fat. Baby fat. Make your show look good to me. I think you're so beautiful.
1: and dudes, are you ready? Because I'm ready to welcome you to May's Diabetes Late Night. Thank you for tuning in to the only diabetes podcast with musical inspiration. I'm your host, Mr. Diva Bedick, and tonight we're spotlighting the music from the Empire TV show, courtesy of Sony Music. For those of you who haven't caught on to this hip-hop soap opera, Empire is a brainchild of director Lee Daniels and screenwriter Danny Strong. Equally inspired by King Lear and my favorite 80s nighttime drama, Dynasty, it center, centers on the mighty but shattered Lion family, headed by rapper turned mogul Lucius Lion, played by Terrence Howard. He was recently diagnosed with ALS at the beginning of the show, and he's so anxious about his legacy that Lucius makes this horrific decision to make his three sons compete to run Empire Enterprises. Of course, things heat up the minute Lucius's ex-wife Cookie, played by Taraji P. Henson, comes into the action. Now, Cookie has a really big, big grudge, everybody, if you haven't watched the show, because she spent 17 years in prison taking the fall for the couple's past drug deals. Now, half her sons love her and the other half hate her, as she struggles with all of them to try to see who's going to take over Empire. Can we say drama And, of course, when we say drama, you know I'm a total fan. I love the clothes. I love the cast. I love the music. And I love, love, love the action. And, yes, although no one has diabetes on the show... The show does remind me of my days working for Luther Vandross in the music industry, and Luther Vandross had type 2 diabetes. So tonight, we thought we'd play some of the songs from the number one soundtrack, courtesy of Sony Music, and talk about the toll diabetes has had on the music industry. From Frankie Knuckles and Big Pun to Ella Fitzgerald and Luther Vandross, so many of our favorite beloved music artists have died from diabetes health-related complications. When you look at the loss, it's staggering, Because not only is it happening to our favorite stars, it's also happening to their fan bases. And, you know, that's why 10 years ago I started Divabetic. I wanted to reach out to Luther's fans who were primarily African-American and Latino women who are disproportionately affected by some of the uh, diabetes health-related complications like stroke and empower them with a glamour, fearless philosophy. And this show hopes to empower you to take on your diabetes with a new diva, bold, sassy attitude. Because after all, there's still a lot of celebrities living with diabetes and performing at their best, including Brett Michaels, Pat LaBelle, Shaka Khan, Nick Jonas, Elliot Yaman, and Randy Jackson. They're all showing us that you can live well with diabetes and be happy and healthy, and the music could play on. Now, stay tuned as I discuss this topic and more with my guests tonight, the Charlie's Angels of Outreach, poet Lorraine Brooks, Mama Rosemarie, and Sherry from Los Angeles. But before we get things started, let's take a minute and donate to DivaBedic. Your tax-deductible contributions are greatly appreciated. Coming up, I've got spoken word inspiration on Diabetes Late Night. But let's take another listen to a song with one of the big-name guest stars on the Empire soundtrack, courtesy of Sony Music. This star won an Oscar for, her, uh, for the Best Supporting Actress in 2007. Here's Jennifer Hudson. Whatever makes you happy. I know what makes me happy. It's doing diabetes outreach uh, diva style. And I'm going to be presenting our divabetic mothers and daughters tea at Thomas Jefferson University Hospital on Saturday, May 30th at 11 a.m. This is a free and fabulous program. Guest stars include Katherine Schuler and makeup artist Yagu Jones, who are going to be helping me to inspire women to glamour, fear less. It's a multi-generational program, dress up, show up. Check out all the details at divaletic dot org. Now let's meet my first guest. She's a poet and a TV host. Welcome back to the show, Lorraine Brooks.
3: Good evening, Mac.
1: Hello, Lorraine. How are you?
3: I'm well. How are you?
1: I'm. I'm. I think I'm beginning to deal with the allergies in the in the green room. Doctor Bed was calling it a allergy tsunami, and I think I de- definitely <laughs> have am uh, weathering that storm.
3: I'm sorry to hear that.
1: That's all right. It's it's beautiful in New York City. I hope it's beautiful uh, wherever our listeners are and they're able to enjoy some of the spring weather.
3: Uh, I'm enjoying it. It was 92 today, I understand, and it felt good, actually.
1: Were you playing any music? Has he enjoyed some of the sunlight?
3: Was I playing any music? Um, yes, I was, but uh, I have to admit, it was not the music from Empire, <laughs>
1: Well, I know you love um, Nina Simone. So who else do you like to listen to regularly?
3: Well, I, I listen to a lot of uh, classical music and jazz. That's that's really my favorite type of music.
1: Well, you know, tonight we're talking a little bit about the how uh, the toll diabetes has taken on the music industry. I mean, when you, I always think of obviously I think of Luther because I worked for him and Luther suffering the stroke. But then you don't have to go that much further back to realize. Ella Fitzgerald had amputation, and last year we lost uh, one of the biggest producers in house music, Frankie Knuckles, who mm-hmm. actually had type two diabetes, had amputation, and then um, dealt with a few more complications before he died.
3: Well, you know, and and uh, Nell Carter, I think, and um, uh, the the actor who played rerun on What's Happening, I don't remember his name. I mean, there there have been a lot of people in in uh, the African American community, especially who have uh, died of the complications of type two diabetes it's very sad and uh not just sad because of the disease but you know lo- lots of talent lost
1: absolutely i mean do you ever read the profiles on celebrities with diabetes
3: um I do on occasion i I've read actually a lot about Ella fitzgerald I remember when uh when she had the amputations also um just to tell you how old I am, I don't know if you remember Todi Fields. She was a comedian mm-hmm. back in the uh, 60s, and uh, she had uh, double amputation. She was a type 2 diabetic also. I mean, it, there's just there are so many people, it's hard to count, and it it's is. a shame. You know,
1: I mean, one of the things that really resonated with me, though, I have to say, my mom and I were watching Celebrity Apprentice a couple years ago when Brett Michaels was on, and during the show, during one of the big challenges, he actually experienced the low on camera, right. and he kind of walked you through uh, how he treated it, you know. And I just saw the other day uh, "Just Shoot Me," starring Elaine Stritch. Have you seen that documentary?
3: I haven't, no. But she she was uh, she had diabetes as well.
1: She had type one diabetes, and mm-hmm. if you listeners, if you haven't seen it, you should watch it. It's like a ninety minute documentary. She really goes into. Uh, her diabetes life and and how she still was able to perform right up until the end but also just the toll diabetes took on her life as a performer and the way she made it work as well. Again, you know, we don't want to get down on it. We're talking about people living well with diabetes tonight and certainly want everyone listening to know there's so much potential out there to live a happy and whole life. But I think sometimes it's important to also address some of the headlines and and the things that people see. I know, you know, uh, when Luther had the stroke, a lot of people reached out to me, some positive, some negative, with uh, feedback about how did this happen, why did it happen, and... uh, you know, it was a shock to everyone involved. We knew Luther had type two diabetes. Uh, He chose to manage it by himself. I always like to say at every program I do, I think that was a mistake. I think it takes a team effort. I mean, we had 50 people out on the road supporting him with his music and helping him put on some of the best shows around the world. And I think, I wish he had applied that same type of team effort to managing his diabetes and it might've turned out a little differently.
4: But uh, I know well, for so of many
1: people they feel alone, and I hope they tune into us and check out our website and and hear the voices tonight about uh, other people living with diabetes to hear that it is possible you can live a happy, healthy life.
2: You
3: can live a happy, healthy life. You do need support. You do need people. You do need to. Uh, I think it's my opinion anyway that you need to um, self-disclose, you know, I think people need to know so they know what to do for you, and in case you do have a low or you do have an episode, that people are aware of that, and uh, that they can help you. It was hard for me in the beginning, too, so, I mean, I understand that. But I think in the long run, you're absolutely right. It it takes a village, as they say.
1: It really does. And now uh, you're going to help inspire people with your latest poem.
3: Well, you know, you you and I were talking about the people, uh, as we just mentioned, who've been in the entertainment industry and have had diabetes. So uh, my poem sort of talks a, a little bit about that, and it's called Sweetness in Song. Sweet is a word. Sweet is a thought. How sweet it is. And sweet it ought. You are so sweet. You treat me good. How sweet of you. It's understood. It's sweet we want and sweet we crave, and sometimes sweets how we behave. The sweets we eat, the sweets we drink, the sweets we use when we're in sync. But sometimes sweets can change, you see, and put our health in jeopardy. We sing of sweet and sweet desires. We dream of love that sweet inspires. But health comes first, and so it should, and sometimes sweets don't do us good. To those who sing their sweet, sweet songs, to those to whom our heart belongs, keep singing and keep shining bright, and your sweet songs the earth will light. And most of all, to Luther, dear, we miss that voice we long to hear. Your sweetness lives until we meet. We'll always hear your voice so sweet.
1: I love that, uh, Lorraine, and thank you for spotlighting that. You know, May is Stroke Awareness Month. We're going to be talking a little bit about stroke later on the show, and I did mention that Luther had the stroke. Um, You know, I don't take a lot of time to talk about him, and I'm so grateful that you mentioned him. I think, like, the biggest message uh, that I want to say around it is he was so – powerful and strong in everything he did. And he was an amazing entertainer. I think his music stands for that. And I think the message that people should take away, though, is that um, diabetes was really powerful to do what it did. And if you're not taking it seriously right now in your life, someone who's listening to this show, you don't understand the true power it has. You have to really respect it. Because if it could take out someone like Luther Vandross – Then you know, no matter what you're thinking in your head right now, for the people listening, that you need to get serious about this and manage it in order to go on and create your own special music, whatever that uh, you choose to be or whatever drum, whatever beat of a drum you listen to. But, you know, that's the thing about that, Lorraine, is mentioning Luther's name so people realize how profoundly powerful it is and how important it is to manage it even when you don't think you have to take it seriously.
3: Well, that's exactly right. I could not have said it better myself and I was a big Luther fan as I as I I'm sure most people were. Um such a such a talent such a um a larger than life figure and you're right you know we just we look at people and we assume that because they look okay on the outside or they're functioning or they feel all right that everything is fine but but this is something that you really have to take seriously and take care of and and uh and live you can live well with it so i thank you again for your all of the things that you do and uh, all of the things that you say to encourage people and um uh we'll keep on trucking
1: Absolutely, you know the music keeps playing. That's what, what the message we want people to take away. You know, I don't know if you watch it, but Empire's popularity popularity didn't happen overnight, Lorraine. No, 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 no. But the ratings <laughs> did climb every episode from the first season. They got bigger and better with each new episode that came out, making it Fox's mid-season replacement a genuine cultural phenomenon. Let's take another listen. Let's take a listen to another popular song, courtesy of Sony Music, from the Empire soundtrack. I've been making Diabetes Education dazzle for nine year, 10 years, so I have no apologies either. I love that song. It's time to meet two of the friendliest diabetes educators from around the country, who I finally refer to as the Charlie's Angels of Outreach.
2: Ooh la la. That's
1: right, everybody. Please welcome to the show Patricia, A- Patricia Addy-Gentle. Hi, Patricia. Hi, Max. Welcome. And Dr. Beverly Adler. Hi, Dr. Beverly.
4: <laughs> Hello, Matt. <laughs> Dr. Bev and uh happy Mother's Day a little belatedly to your Mama Rose and to your listeners.
1: And to you and Patricia as well. And and Thank Sherry you. coming up. We've got Thank a lot of mothers you. on the show tonight. This will be great. Thank you for recognizing that. All right, so <clears throat> you know, this month we're talking we're taking on the show Empire. You know, it's it's inspiring us to talk about the music industry and how it's been affected by diabetes. I mentioned Brett Michaels. We talk, I talked to Lorraine a little bit about um, Ella Fitzgerald, and then and then I zeroed in on my own personal experience working for Luther Vandross, who had type two diabetes. Doctor Brett, I want to start with you because a lot of a lot of people, a lot of the fans, experience a sense of loss when their favorite celebrities die, and a lot, and the media does love to report the shocking details. Of someone's untimely death, I'll tell you it's quite frightening. I remember when Luther had the stroke; uh, one of the hospital staff went into the room and called up one of the radio station and, and gave, you know, on-air reports of Luther, and it was really disturbing to the family as well. They didn't have all the information, and I think it was very unsettling to the fans. I'm just wondering how do you how do how do people how do you advise people to cope with that? You know, I mean, it's not one of their loved ones, but he, they are beloved, and. People really did worship Luther Vandross, so I'm sure when he died, it, it affected much more than just his friends and family around him, and, and I'm sure it took a long time for a lot of people to get over it.
4: I, I'm sure that is true because when you are a celebrity, it's there. It's almost as if they're part of your own family, even though you really don't know the person, you know, like, you know, personally. Uh, it, it just you know so much about these celebrities that they they feel like your friend and uh, you know when a, a friend is diagnosed or, or something bad happens it's it's very upsetting and I, th- I think the thing about um, how people react I think they can react one of two ways and both are on the extreme end w- one is that when you hear your friend, the celebrity, is diagnosed, you know, with something negative as a complication of diabetes, Uh, I think that um, it can frighten somebody who hears about this and they think to themselves, well, if it happened to, let's say, larger than life, Luther, well, what's to say that it won't happen to me? And that reaction can make them feel, hopeless and helpless to really take good care of themselves, which would not be how I would like them to be inspired. And the opposite is true, that when you hear a larger-than-life personality is diagnosed with something negative, you can look at that as a negative role model and say, if that could happen to him or her, I am going to work harder that that doesn't happen to me. It doesn't have to have the same outcome. So I think those are the two choices, how people hear it, you know, glass half full, glass half empty. And depending on the type of person, if you're more of a pessimist or more of an optimist, you can use this to either feel totally hopeless or you can use it as an opportunity to make changes so that um it can empower you
1: instead right i mean i I really hope people hear the, what the second part of that of what you're saying you know i you just made me remember the exact moment when it all happened. You know the media was just reporting that Luther had a stroke, and it just became so important to me that they related it to diabetes because I had no concept that something that destructive could happen as a result of not managing your diabetes. And so the minute it came out and the, and the headline ended, Luther had a stroke, I just felt like, you know, people were just being, no one was learning from the experience that I didn't want people to be like I was 24 hours before that happened. I wanted them to hear what had happened and, and begin to relate how these things um, are related, related. And in, order you know, to be, in order to take action I- be preventive.
4: I understand what you're saying, and as you, you know, spoke earlier, there are quite a number of, in the music industry and celebrities in general, that do have diabetes. And, um, you know, people can also hear the, the quiet victory instead of the loud negativity So I remember years and years ago with my own diabetes, I remember Mary Tyler Moore who was, uh, you know, managing her diabetes and she was doing, she was very successful in television and film. And uh, I remember that, you know, I remember I could take that as um, something to inspire me in a positive way.
1: I can understand that. I think a lot of people, I'm sure a lot of people look at Nick Jonas with the same attitude today. I mean, he's so outspoken about it. He wears his Omnipod like on a sleeveless shirt. He has no problem like really showing people how um, outspoken he is, like Lorraine was saying. And I even think the beauty pageant uh, participant last year, I think she was, I'm mean, going to, it's either Idaho or. I think it was Idaho or Iowa. Idaho, yes. Uh, Yes, she wore her pump during the swimsuit competition to show people how – you know, that these devices are a part of our lives and they don't have to be hidden any longer. You know, this is what keeps her alive and and she was, it's a part of her. And I think, you know, that, I'm sure people take away that as well. I I sometimes, though, I have to say, have a knee-jerk reaction to it sometimes because I think people see it and they get a little judgmental and angry and then they just kind of push it aside and they don't really take any knowledge from it. And you certainly can't do that with everything, but on the point with Luther, I, I have diabetes in my family. I felt very um, unaware before the stroke. I had no, no one had sat me down and explained things to me. I had no idea that there was a correlation between the two. And so when he did have the stroke, it just became, to me, as someone who has diabetes in my family, I felt obviously regretful. I did feel shame. And I just felt like, you know, I wish I had been empowered more to help him out on that level. And, you know, um I'll say that, and then I'll say I, I decided not to bury my head in the sand and, and let shame or regret stop me from getting out there and, and standing on a soapbox and telling people, hey, don't let it happen to you. You know, learn from the tragedy we experienced and allow it to help inspire you.
4: I wish I could, I wish that I would have known Luther personally, and uh, I wish I could have been part of that entourage, you know, that that team that helped him with his, you know, his business, I would have liked to be on that team, which was non-existent, uh, that helped him with his health.
1: Yeah. I would have been
4: very happy to talk to him. Of, I
1: mean, to me, he wasn't alone with this. There were a lot, there's a lot of people listening or people who have who are listening who have friends or family members who are kind of like Luther. They're very narrow-minded, thought they could, invincibility, Lorraine mentioned earlier. You know, they they have that kind of thought, and they 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 don't even you know to them it, it's never going to it's not going to happen to them but that doesn't mean they're taking the proactive uh stance to against it
4: and most everybody thinks this is not ever going to happen to me uh, it's that's a form of denial <laughs> that uh it's a very unhealthy coping strategy to say uh that will not happen to me because We cannot predict the future. Uh, You can help yourself uh, to make the chances less likely that it happens to you by, you know, managing your self-care. But um, it's not an assumption that it is going to happen, and you can't assume it won't. So diabetes requires a lot of self-care, and uh you know I, I feel badly from how you've described it that uh luther i don't think luther was well enough informed himself about um what what potentially could uh could occur
1: well i mean we will definitely bring this up in a later conversation about how weight loss sometimes uh, takes over everything in a conversation with a doctor about uh diabetes self-care and doesn't really get into the uh, the routine of how to manage your diabetes but I want to move on and, and because I want to come back to you and talk a little bit about bargaining which I know we will be talking a little bit about weight loss in a minute but first I want to I want to talk to Patricia because I we I've been saying stroke 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 like it's bingo tonight it, it may may is stroke awareness month uh 10 years later Patricia I, I'm still talking about stroke. I mentioned Luther had diabetes, and diabetes is related to stroke. Why is that? And and then let's talk about what some of the symptoms of a stroke are and so how people could prevent, prevent it. Okay.
5: Well, you know, many people
1: and uh, the general public
5: especially, and even those with the diagnosis of diabetes, sometimes never make the connection between cardiovascular complications and diabetes. But when we measure our blood sugar, it's exactly what it says. It's the amount of sugar that circulates in the bloodstream. And so when there is an abundance of sugar in the bloodstream, it creates a uh, gelled-type substance of the blood. It's not liquefied as it should be. And so the blood flows much slower, sluggish. It's uh, thicker. It's sticky, and it causes major complications in the cardiovascular system. Um, All of our vessels can be affected if the blood sugar is high. And so the heart vessels, the kidney vessels, the eye vessels, and when you stop and think about the um, diameter of a vessel and when it gets plugged and clogged with thick, sticky sugar, then there's a problem it creates a resistance in the heart, a resistance in the brain uh, to circulate that blood, and that's when strokes occur. When you have a vessel that becomes occluded or, or plugged and the heart is trying its best to pump blood flow throughout the body, then that resistance will cause the pressure to increase, and that pressure increasing causes a rupture in the vessel and when it bleeds out and is not within the uh the side wall the the walls of the vessel um then that's a stroke. so some of the signs and symptoms could be that um if a person has a high blood pressure um they may start feeling numb or weak, especially in the face or the arm or a leg, particularly on one side. They have trouble speaking sometimes, and it's hard to understand uh, the words that they're saying. The speech is kind of garbled. Um, They have a sudden blurred vision, sometimes loss of vision in one eye or both eyes, sudden uh, trouble swallowing, a loss of consciousness or alteration in the consciousness. It can start by being dizzy. It can progress to even a seizure, Um, lack of coordination, and even unconsciousness. Sometimes there's inability to move a part of the body, like a paralysis, and intense headache
1: may occur as well. The headaches is what I want to talk about for a minute. Um, I wasn't aware of this, but I found out later that Luther went through a week of intense headaches prior to Mm -hmm. his stroke. So that really is something that... I think people just think, oh, I have a headache, but if it really stays for a long time, and you just mentioned an intense and sudden headache, it could be the sign of something. So what should people do if they're experiencing any of these symptoms?
5: They should definitely, uh, if if a symptom... Last for any length of time or if there's progression of the symptom. Say like you start with the headache and then all of a sudden there's dizziness or there's a memory loss or a weakness on one side. So you see a progression. Something is happening. is changing. It's happen, happening rapidly. Then you need to seek medical attention.
1: Um, and not, and not just lie down, right? Because a lot of people, when any of these things happen, say, oh, you know what, I think I just need to lie down for a little while.
5: Most definitely not. And if you're home alone, you need to notify someone um, that you're having a problem because you do need that um, support. Someone needs to know, especially if it's bedtime or you're getting ready to lie down, someone needs to know so that uh, they can intervene and check on you. But I would suggest to seek medical attention, Not definitely don't lay down.
1: All right. Well, thank you for that. All right, we're back with dr beb we're talking about I'm talking to the Charlie's Angels of Outreach, but right now we're going to go back to Dr. Bev. We've been highlighting different um the emotional side of diabetes all year long. This month we want to talk a little bit about bargaining. It's one of the um stages of of grief that we're kind of making a comparison with. well, I am not dr bev uh around managing your diabetes i I understand Dr bev like uh someone's listening to the show right now thinking this isn't going to happen to me so they 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 start making all these changes very quickly that all-or-nothing approach to managing your health as well as your diabetes and unfortunately for a lot of people we know uh, when they try to do something like that half of it, it it works for a little while but they can't maintain it and they go back to what they consider sometimes called bargaining where they start, you know, <clears throat> making bargains with themselves about what they're going to do. What is bargaining and and can you help me relate it a little bit uh illustrate it a little bit better for our audience tonight? Sure.
4: Okay, so bargaining is one of the stages that um generally people go through toward the ultimate goal of of accepting their diabetes. Okay. Bargaining it doesn't go in any particular order, but um bargaining is an unhealthy irrational style of coping. Okay? But people people get very upset. <laughs> Many people when they get diagnosed with diabetes or let's say there's a change and they're now the doctor tells them that they have to go on insulin, Okay, so that seems like the worst thing that could happen to some people, okay, or even the diagnosis of diabetes. They feel like it's the worst thing that could happen. And so what happens is they feel totally helpless. What can I do to not make this happen? And at that point, they start making bargains. They make a deal. It's a desperate plea to many times a higher power. God, I will be uh I will never again eat any more cookies if you don't uh make me diabetic. Or they'll start bargaining with a doctor. Okay? Please don't put me on insulin. You know, I, I promise I'm gonna be uh, you know, perfect. Okay, so these are all ways that somebody feels that they have more control over what's happening and that's what the bargaining is about because they feel helpless and so they want to have control however bargaining is a false sense of control okay because the bargains are always totally unrealistic you you can't bargain that you'll never ever eat another cookie and you can't bargain your way with a doctor that you should not be going on insulin when a doctor knows that you're at a point in with your diagnosis where insulin is going to help you feel better. Okay? So what happens is um, it if somebody can finally get to this point where they say, okay, um, I'm not going to you know make this crazy um bargain, but instead they're actually going to try to accept their diagnosis or accept their insulin. then they are um, they can really be truly empowered and not the fake sense of empowerment. So lots of people don't want to accept whatever it is that they're being diagnosed with. And so they um, there's, there's a sense of uh, fear because they feel helpless. What's going to happen in the future? And so that's one reason that they are trying not to face facts, okay, because they're worried about the future. Or... They may be worried about other people and the shame and blame that now they're going to be, you know, under scrutiny from other people, and so they're making all these deals with God or doctors that, um, because they're just so fearful and helpless, and so people use
1: can- that. Uh, I'm, I, I think this is great. Other people use that as well. I mean, I turn the tables for a minute on some of these crazy health and wellness people who use bargains like if you do X, Y, and Z, you okay. could reverse your diabetes. Yes. And we all know that X, Y, and Z isn't going to do anything instead of what you just said, learning to accept your diabetes and then making the change. I mean, this happens so much where people are put in this bargaining thing where if you lose a X amount of pounds, you yes. won't have diabetes any longer. I'm not arguing with um, that idea. I'm just arguing with this concept of what you just said, uh, Dr. Bev, about the bargains on the table to kind of avoid the reality of accepting it. And so people kind of fall into this place with these books on the shelves and these TV shows and infomercials and everything where they're so afraid of diabetes that they, they go to these extremes that, which end up don't working, and then they end up having to really deal with the issue.
4: Yes. And uh, there's, as we've talked about previously over previous months, there's other um, unreasonable um, ways to try to avoid accepting their diagnosis. And uh, many people go through denial. Many people are angry. This is another irrational idea that does not work is bargaining and I know you and I are going to be talking about depression and not accepting their diagnosis, and that'll be upcoming in a in a future uh, podcast.
1: But uh, right, and a lot of people bargain around depression, don't they? You know, they try to you know try to get themselves. You know, they they just don't really want to face that that they might need the medication or something else to help them kind of, you know, find through that journey of understanding it. I mean, you talk about shame and blame with diabetes. Certainly mental illness has a huge shame associated with it for some insane reason. (laughs) Insane, yes. That's a... Yeah, A good no way perfect. of expressing it. Well, we've got a lot to talk about. But I did want to say, <clears throat> I know I had one more note, and then we're going to move on because I can't wait to meet Sherry from L.A. Uh, we could compare bargaining to Bruce Jenner. I know I'm always reaching for these uh, comparisons. My <laughs> listeners love it. But obviously he made some kind of bargain with himself at some point that if he could win the gold medal at the mm-hmm. Olympics, he was really a man, and this idea of being a woman would kind of disappear. And there you go with, you know, 30 years fast forward, he's sitting down with Diane Sawyer telling her a different story, right? I mean, that's this kind of bargaining and the reality of kind of learning to accept what's really going on and moving forward that way.
4: Exactly, exactly. He, You know, you can try to make these bargains, but uh, ultimately they are – they're going to not hold water they're, they're, you're not going to be able to maintain the bargain, okay Bruce Jenner could not maintain the bargain even as this uh you know um you know winning athlete, he could not maintain that bargain because he wasn't being true to himself you know and and going back to um Diabetes. So instead of saying an irrational bargain like I'll never ever eat another cookie again in my life, you make a reasonable bargain if you want to call it that. I wouldn't call it that. But you make a reasonable um, uh, decision and you can say I'll have one cookie or I'll have two cookies. I know that sounds hard. But you can do that and you so therefore you don't have to exclude all cookies which is irrational and you can limit yourself and still enjoy, have your cook have your cookies and eat it too and there still manage to take care of yourself. So I think it's important to understand that an irrational uh bargain is like I'll never do this or I'll always do that like you said, black and white thinking and there are certainly shades of gray that you can be more reasonable and um you know when you have something to eat that's maybe you know high carb you can also make an agreement with yourself I'll go for a walk you know and I'll counterbalance the the high carbs with some activity or um you you, you just don't have to feel that um that you are Mm, that you're not helping yourself rather think of it as a treat rather than a cheat because if you're thinking of it as a cheat your self-esteem drops and it's hard to accept the diabetes if you can think of it as a treat then you stay within reason and yes you can accept your diabetes
1: i love it great advice always a pleasure to have you on the show Thank you so much. Um, Dr. Bev, I know you haven't been watching Empire. You admitted it earlier in the green room. We keep those conversations, everyone. Yes, I'm very sorry. But week after week, you're going to be excited to hear that famous singers, rappers, and actors keep popping up. Some play themselves. Others play original characters. One of my favorites is the British singer, songwriter, rapper, and Grammy winner Estelle, not Adele, Estelle people, (laughs) who plays a singer named Delphine, and she sings a lovely duet with one of the sons, Jesse. Let's take Alyssa to Conqueror. Diabetes Late Night. I'm your host, Mr. Diva Betteck, and it's time to meet our real-life diva who's a fanatic fan of Empire. She's living with diabetes from Los Angeles. Please welcome Sherry. Hi, Sherry. Hi, Matt. Welcome to the show. Hello.
6: How are you? How are you?
1: What do you like about Empire? Um, Actually, I like everything,
0: but my most favorite is the relationship between Cookie and Lucius. That is my no. favorite, just the way they bounce back and forth and back and forth. and But they always have this um, base of love, and you just know it.
1: Do you think they're going to ultimately end up together?
0: Yes, but I think there's going to be a lot of turmoil and a lot of good stuff to happen before they do.
1: Okay, well, let's talk about the shocker because some ways Empire reminds me of Downton Abbey, which I already made a comparison to Bruce Jenner on the Diabetes podcast. So work with me. But you know, like Downton Downton Abbey just travels along week after week, nothing happens, and bam, they kill someone off. And at the end of the season of Empire, they killed off one of my favorite cast members. What did you think?
0: Yoba, yeah, I, I mean that's his his real name. I love that. I mean. It was unexpected, but it's cool because it's going to make for a really good twist later. Yeah, I like that.
1: <laughs> I know. You have to watch out for the wife of the oldest brother, right? Uh, you know, because she's, she's got her hand in something.
0: Oh, yeah. Something's going to happen with that whole situation. And then also with uh, Naomi. Naomi Campbell, she's coming back.
1: Oh, Camilla? So, yeah, well, yes. we have to tell everyone. So, Camilla, Naomi Campbell is is... Is acting up a storm yeah. on the show. She's one of the 90 supermodels, and she's having an affair with the youngest brother, who's like half her age.
2: Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Lucius That's Lyon cool. does
1: not like that. So Lucius uh, had tried to buy her off right at the end of the at the end of the show. She, he tries to buy her off to get her out of her son's life. Yes.
0: And did you hear what she said? I'll wait till you're dead, and then I'll be on the first plane to come back. So she's not going for it. He's not going for it at all.
1: Do you think it's realistic at all this whole show? I mean, the Empire show.
0: Um, You know what? I have a couple friends that have dealt in the music industry, and there's a lot of crazy stuff going on that we as fans and just people on the outside don't know anything about. So, yeah, I think it has a really good base, you know, and I think they embellish on a lot of things. But, hey, it's all entertainment, and it is crazy stuff going on.
1: And it is crazy. I mean, I don't think it, they do pit artists against each other at a label. You definitely vie to get the label's attention, that's for sure. But I just can't imagine siblings being reduced to have to fight for each other each month, You know, against each other each day, each week, each month to take control of a company. But let's take control of your diabetes and talk a little bit about your life living with diabetes. You've had type 2 diabetes for 30 years now. Um, You were diagnosed in your early 20s. Tell us a little bit about your journey living with diabetes.
0: Well, I was kind of like what the doctor said. My stage of grief was denial,
1: total and complete denial
0: at first. And so that's what I ran with. I said, hey, I don't feel anything. You know, I'm not going to do anything because when I feel something, I will. And then my doctor told me something. She said, if you don't take care of your diabetes, it will take care of you. So I'm like, okay, well, whatever, I don't say anything. But later on, you know, little complications here and there. I'm like, okay, I'll just stop, like she said. I'll just stop eating the cookies or I'll just stop. But, you know, I found out it's way bigger than that. Like you said, I had an amputation, a partial amputation of my right foot, my five toes, um, two years ago, and that was as it wasn't directly, because of the diabetes, but it was related to the circulation part that she's talking about in, the, in her segment, and it just got I cut myself, and it got infected, and because of the diabetes and the circulation, with this, with like she said about the slow blood and all that, it wasn't uh, my blood wasn't circulating properly, and the infection grew, and it actually spread to the bone. So long story short. I was amputated two years ago, my five toes, and but it sort of changed my life. As I was sharing with you, I have totally changed. I do water aerobics. I control my food. I call it a, what's called a um, a SIM, food, exercise, and medication. I've got to control my food first. You know, get the right combination. Exercise. I have to. I do water aerobics right now, and um, a little bit of weight. and the medication. I have to be on time and make sure I take care of it. So, yeah, that was very devastating to lose a part of your body, but it actually turned it into a posit- a very positive thing to me because now I know, hey, like my doctor said, either take care of the diabetes or it's going to take care of me. So I'm actually doing well.
1: So I'm doing very well. You good sound it. I, my- I think it's a powerful testimonial. How hard has it been to maintain these habits?
0: Well, it's been two years, and... Uh, so it's it was progressive. I, didn't, I did not do it all, like she said, you bargain. Oh, I'm just going to – I didn't do it like that. I just slowly sort of worked my way into it. I did water aerobics a little bit, you know, once a week, then I worked it into three to four times a week. And, you know, uh, with the food, it's juggling. I actually have gone uh, meatless. I don't like to say vegetarian because I don't like to put labels on stuff. I'm just – Eating less and less and less meat because it just helps me with the managing, and that's working out. And I do lots of fabulous recipes. I get, I play around with the flavors and the seasonings, and then with the medication, I work with my doctor very closely, and I call him. You know, we we um, we were on a monthly. Now I'm on a three monthly, and I watch what I haven't had heard body say think about was A1C. And when I went into the hospital, my A1C was 12, which is really high, And because normal for a diabetic is 6 and under, they want it. So I just work real hard, and every three months I have my A1C checked to make sure that you know I'm within my parameters, and I check my sugar at least uh, once a day, if not sometimes three times a day. So, and my life is not boring. You know, I, I eat this, I eat that. I go here, I go there. I don't restrict myself. I just know there are limitations to what I can and can't do.
1: And it doesn't uh, have to limit your joy. I mean, it sounds like you have made it manageable. And for people listening out there, you, made, you started making these changes slowly, you said. Yeah, and yeah. you've gotten better at it. Your confidence builds up. And suddenly these new habits really do take hold and become a way of life, it sounds like to me. That's yeah. great.
0: And you meet people and, that are doing the same thing or, like, at the pool, everybody here comes this girl with this amputation, but I'm in that water doing just as hard of work as everybody else with the water aerobics.
1: Well, so, I have to yeah, ask you, Sherry. I mean, someone's listening to this saying, oh, I could never do that. How did you get in the pool the first day? Because you must have been, I would think I would be very self-conscious. I have psoriasis. Sometimes I don't want to go in the pool. So I just, you know, how did you break through because I think someone else out there who might be wheelchair bound or having an an a similar issue or something else would be thinking, "Oh no, I could never do that." What what got you into the water?
0: Well, I cheated a little bit. I found a pool that was therapeutic. It's a it's a very high temperature pool. So the temperature is never below say 88 degrees, and I'm I'm sort of in the I'm am in the mental health field. So um, a lot of older people worked out there, and I just knew they were going to be accepting. So that was at least of my concern because I was like, i got to get this exercise in no matter what. So I'm going to find some place where I can be at least semi-comfortable, and then I'll have to tell you after the first week, I didn't care about anything. <laughs> I didn't. You know, at first I was like, oh, God, like you said, oh, God, you know, I still, you know, these people are, are you know, they're, they're challenging areas too, like I am. So at first I was, but then after the first week I was like, oh, this is so cool. I wish I would you know, started doing this 10 years ago, you know. So, yeah, it was a little bit of a challenge, but I sort of was all in. I was like, you know what, i got to make a change no matter what. I'm not going to go jogging with half a foot on one, you know, on on one foot. So I'm going to do what I need to do to make it happen.
1: I love it, Glamour Fearless everybody Great great advice, thank you Sherry Sherry, I love to play games And we're going to play our first game After we play a song that reminds me of Naomi Campbell I can't believe we were talking about her She's my favorite supermodel from the 90s And now she's back on the small screen Week after week with Empire mm-hmm. Let's take a listen to another song From the Empire soundtrack Courtesy of Sony Music
2: Ain't nothing in this heaven world for free we got to install microwave ovens, yeah, custom kitchen delivery. We got to move these yeah, we, we got to move these color TV.
1: back it's time to play our first game it's called diabetes brain teasers i love to play this game out on the streets when i go to the parades and festivals in new york city uh sherry i'll have to do it out in la one day but let's pretend we're on the street right now here's a question from d life your brain teaser for tonight food high in carbohydrates such as sugar potatoes pasta bread and cereal will cause your blood glucose levels to a go up or b go down what's your answer Oh. Is that your final answer? Final answer. <laughs> that's that is pretty easy, but that's that's what it does. Carbohydrates uh, will bring your blood glucose levels up. We'll talk about that in a minute with Patricia and Dr. Bev. We're going to play our second game, though. It's Diabetes Time Machine. Try to put these three milestones in the correct chronological order, and you'll win the big prize. Here you go. <laughs> number one, the primetime soap opera Dynasty premieres on ABC and creates a sensation. Number two, the Dextro Meter is the first meter with a digital display and, and is operated by battery is launched. And number three, Luther Vandross releases his second al- album titled For Always, Forever, For Love. Put them in the correct order.
0: Ooh. Uh, the Meter, Dynasty, and Luther Vandross.
1: Is that your final answer for the car?
0: Uh, Final answer.
1: Yeah, okay. (laughs) You could phone a friend. Who do you want to phone, Dr. Bev, or do you want to phone Patricia?
4: Dr. Bev. Dr. Bev.
1: Hello. (laughs) Dr. Bev, help her out.
4: You know what? I heard what she said, and I don't think she was in error. Did you, did, you, um, did I mishear you, Sherry? Did you say you thought the first thing that came out was the meter? No, I think I said Dynasty. Oh, you did. Oh. Okay. That was my mistake. Yes. Okay. Well, in 1980, the Dextrometer was launched, and that was the first meter which had a digital display and could be operated by a battery. And in 1981 oh, is when Dynasty premiered, and in 1982 – Luther Vandross released his second album, For Always, Forever, For Love. Oh, wow. Well, I accepted, but I think I should win the car anyway.
1: (laughs) Well, no, you know what you're going to win for helping us raise awareness in a fun new way? You're going to get a new Naturals gift basket filled with diabetic-safe, low-glycemic, tooth-friendly sweeteners, a Cabot Cheese gift basket filled with an assortment of delicious low-fat cheeses, Dr. Greenfield's Diabetes Lotions and Products, which are specifically designed for people with diabetes with sensitive and delicate skin, and from Spry Publishing, a prize giveaway from the premier publishers of health books and media, they, de- they deliver valuable content on a wide range of medical subjects, including our f- the fabulous book, The Complete Diabetes Organizer by AADE Educator of the Year, Susan Weiner. What do you think of those prizes?
0: Wow,
1: I'm excited. Well, you're a loser, man.
0: Thank you, thank you.
1: We had to make them good. All right, well, guess what? We're running out of time, so we're going to bring in our final guest, uh, Mama Rosemarie. Happy Mother's Day, Mama Rosemarie.
6: Well, thank you very much. I had a wonderful Mother's Day. <laughs>
1: I'm glad to hear I, that. What what did you yeah. do? I wasn't there. So she has other she has other <laughs> children. I have
6: so many sons. Um well, we went out to brunch and that was really um very nice and then my biggest my very special thing was that my one and only grandson came over and visited me and brought me flowers and wrote me a note of what he thought of me and it was just so precious that It will be a note that I will treasure forever. I was so thrilled.
1: He had nothing but
6: good things to say, so I hope I could live up to it.
1: (laughs) You certainly do. And thank you for being my mom, too. (laughs) Well,
6: you're very welcome. Your phone call uh, was also very special to me, so thank you for that.
1: Well, we'd love to hear your tip for May.
6: Okay, well... My Mother Your Diabetes tip for May is to eat more vegetables. You can do this by doubling the amount of vegetables called for in your favorite recipe for soups or salads, pastas or casseroles. This will help enhance the flavor and add nutritional value in a quick, easy way. A little extra chopping can go a long way to help you to increase your vegetable intake. Ciao for now.
1: Great tip, Mom. Thank you for being on the show. Well, you're very welcome. Hey, we have a special guest caller from New York. Please welcome one of the former Diva Better Club members from New York, Laura Ann. Hi, Laura Ann. Hi, Max. How are you? Good. Thanks for calling in on the, and being a part of the show tonight.
5: Thank you. I just wanted to say that I owe a lot of support. I mean, you gave a lot of support to me and... You know, it's 15 years now that I've had diabetes, and you know, you're just an inspiration. That's all I want to say.
1: Well, thank you. It means a lot to me, especially these last two months. Uh, remembering Luther's passing and and celebrating uh, Diabetic's um, beginnings have been, you know, are slightly bittersweet because the two happened so close, you know, together. But uh, it's it's thank you for saying that. It means a lot to me. Yeah, you mean a lot to me. Thank you. Well, you're welcome, and I hope to see you soon at an event in New York City. We'll have something coming up. But remember, every diva has an entourage no matter where you live, and I'm so glad to be part of yours. Let's get happy and stay healthy together. Laura Ann, Sherry, Dr. Bev, Patricia, Lorraine. Uh, We're going to close the podcast with one more song from the Empire soundtrack. Did you know that the soundtrack made its debut at the number one spot on Billboard 200? It beat out my favorite musical icon. That's right, Madonna. Let's hear Keep It Moving from Empire.
2: I'm so dangerous. Bang bang bang. And every time I we together, I tell you, insane, insane. Got me here, yeah, what you gonna do with it? All right, uh.